From the New Media Project at the NYU School of Medicine, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's program, non-arteritic ischemic optic neuropathy and erectile dysfunction medications. Following the uh, case reports from last summer, they issued a statement basically mentioning that sudden vision loss, this mainly condition, uh, could be attributed to um, Viagra Cialis or Levitra, which came on the market after we did this study. First this. The Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education requires a financial interest disclosure before any CME activity. Dr. McGuinn declares no real or apparent conflicts of interest. A few days ago, I podcast our first video program. If you have one of the new video iPods, you're all set. If you don't, and you download as seen from here through iTunes, make sure you are using version 6 or above. If you don't use iTunes, you can still watch the program using QuickTime, a free download from Apple. By the way, I'll be talking about podcasting at Askris this month. Come and meet me at Session 1H on Saturday afternoon, March 18th. There have been case reports of non-arteritic ischemic optic neuropathy associated with erectile dysfunction medications. But how important is this association? Anecdotal evidence cannot tell us how strong the association is and whether certain groups of patients using erectile dysfunction medications are at especially high risk. Fortunately for us, an epidemiologic study has recently been published which examined the relationship between ED medications and NAION, and its author, Gerald McGuinn, is my guest today. How common is NAION generally? From what I uh, have been able to gather, and I'm no expert on the topic of, um, of uh, this particular disease, it would fall into what we in epidemiology consider rare. Um, the estimates that I've seen say about 1,500 to 6,000 people a year develop this condition. So, you know, averaged over the entire population at risk, this is a pretty uncommon condition. And what are the risk factors for NAION? Um, that's a good question. I don't, I don't know off the top of my head what the uh, other risk factors are, specifically the ones that uh, we came across in reviewing the literature for this particular manuscript um, are chronic conditions such as hypertension as well as some characteristics of the, um, the eye itself, some anatomic characteristics. But I'll, I'll have to confess that I'm not as uh, conversant in the risk factors generally um, as I am about uh, the, the specific uh, thing we looked at in this paper. And what you mean by the anatomic factors are a very small optic cup, what we call a disc at risk. Yes, that's right. What are the established visual side effects of erectile dysfunction medications? The, the, for, for a long time, um, people have commented on and even... I believe in the package insert, um, what people have uh, mentioned is some some blurriness, and in fact, uh, there's also been notes of sort of uh, a bluish uh, tint to everything um, when you use these medications, and these don't happen in everybody, um, and in fact, even those particular visual side effects are fairly uncommon. Light sensitivity um, is another one. Uh, but but these um, have been uh, reported, but they've been reported to be acute and transitory, um, tending to go away, uh, you know, relatively soon um, after the medication is used, um, as opposed to what we what we're looking at here, which is something uh, potentially more permanent. Do you know what causes these visual side effects? 
the 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 research that we read um, has something to do uh, about the enzyme activity and these uh, the the actual enzymatic activity related to these medications appear to have a influence on the rods and the cones in the eye. Um, but even that research appears to be um, somewhat uh, new uh, in nature. Um, there's a you know some discussions as to what the actual mechanism is, but it appears to be the fact that there's some enzy enzymatic activity um, that uh, Viagra Cialis, uh, the active components in these medications, appear to uh, affect in the rods and cones. Prior to your study, what evidence existed of an association between use of erectile dysfunction medications and non-arteritic IONs? Uh, the, the evidence was basically um, a number of case reports, and then the most recent publication was a case series, and a series of, I believe, seven uh, men that was reported in the Journal of Neuro-Ophthalmology, I want to say last May or June. Um, so the evidence to date had simply been case reports and case series. What is the mechanism that's presumed to be going on when a patient using ED medications has an NAION? Uh, again, this, this is where you know a, a lot of discussion has um, has been focused as to you know what, what's actually going going on here, um, and I don't know that there is a, a good answer. Um, one hypothesis um, that has been noted in, in the literature is that um, the, the use of these medications results in some sort of vascular insufficiency uh, to the op optic nerve head, and that this results in some sort of ischemia. Uh, then obviously bring about the, uh, the the condition. Now, this particular mechanism, uh, they say, or at least the, the, those who've written about it, suggests that it's, it's a mechanism that may be more common in those who have, um, I think what you mentioned, a small cup. There's also been a note of the role of nitric oxide levels. Um, Viagra and Cialis um, may cause damage to the optic nerve head by increasing nit nitric oxide levels. But again, this also is something that is more of a hypothesis than there is actual, you know, hard quantitative evidence for. Can I have you describe the design of your study? Certainly, certainly. Um, what the study design was uh, a matched case control study. And for those who aren't familiar with this particular design, what that means is that we went and selected individuals who had um, the uh, non-autoritic anterior ischemic optic neuropathy and then a group of uh, control individuals, those who didn't have the particular condition. And it was matched um, in that uh, both the cases and, and the controls were obviously men, but they were also matched on age. And all of these individuals came from the um, University of Al Al Alabama Birmingham Department of Ophthalmology Clinic. And what we did is, we went, as I said, we went and uh, identified these individuals and then uh, performed a medical record uh, review to determine that these were, in fact, um, cases of, of uh, optic neuropathy. And, in fact, that the controls did not have any history of not only some sort of optic neuropathy but uh, other conditions that may preclude them from being an appropriate control. Uh, then what we did is we conducted an interview with both the cases and the controls and asked for information on a variety of risk factors. Um, the study was actually on risk factors for this condition generally, and one of the components was focused on medication use. And so among the medications that we asked about was uh, medications for erectile dysfunction, 
And we asked you know, specific questions about how long these individuals had been using it, the frequency of use, et cetera, so that we could actually document that these medications were used prior to the diagnosis of the optic neuropathy. And then, uh, again, uh, the analysis was fairly straightforward at that point. It was comparing the frequency um, of the use of Viagra Cialis uh, among the cases and among the controls. Jerry, how did you identify patients with NAION? What we initially did is we searched the clinic database for the ICD-9 code for the condition, which for those interested is 377.41, the ICD-9 code. Um, and once we had that list of individuals, we then went to the medical record um, to confirm that they, in fact, had a, a history of a sudden painless uh, loss of vision, um, and that the uh, various anatomic physiologic characteristics of the condition were there. Um, because as, as you may know, you know, the ICD-9 code in the database may or may not be correct. It may have been put in there incorrectly. Um, things may have been miscoded. So we initially started with the ICD-9 codes and then focused on the actual medical record to document that the condition was in fact present. How did you match the controls to the cases? How did you find the appropriate controls? What we did is we went to that same clinic database and, and searched for people who had visited the, visited the clinic um, during the same time period that the cases had visited, visited the clinic and uh, selected them based on age uh, within one year so that uh, we had individuals who weren't um, very disparate in, in age matched to one another or included in the case in the control group. And again, we just wanted to be sure when we reviewed the medical records of, of those individuals that they didn't have a history uh, of uh, optic neuropathy in their medical records. What sort of data was collected from the patients? Uh, we collected, as I said, a, a lot of information from the medical record, mostly for the cases to document the fact that they had this condition, the date of occurrence, uh, the uh, the manifestation, the nature of, of when it was initially manifest. And then when we conducted the interview with the individuals, and basically focused on a variety of demographic, health behavior, and medical characteristics. Uh, we asked about, obviously, age, gender, race, education. We asked them about cigarette smoking and alcohol consumption. We asked about a variety of chronic medical conditions, um, heart disease, high blood pressure, uh, diabetes, et cetera. Um, and then, again, we asked about medications, and not just uh, medications for erectile dysfunction. It was medications for anything um, that they were um, being treated for uh, during the time period of interest. Jerry, what were your findings? Um, what we found is that for overall, for, for all the individuals in the study, the use of um, Biagra or Cialis was associated with a, about a 80% increased risk uh, of, of this optic neuropathy, but that was not statistically significant. What we found was, uh, upon further analysis, that the risk uh, was really limited to men who either had a history of MI or a history of hypertension. So that it, the, despite not finding anything overall, what we found, you know, as I said, was that in that subgroup of individuals who had a history of either of these conditions, we found significantly elevated risk for those history of uh, heart attack. The risk was about uh, tenfold, and for those with a history of hypertension, it was about sevenfold. Now, Jerry, I want to try to parse this out. If you have a finding that there's an odds ratio of 1.8, and meaning that there's an 80% greater risk of a patient using ED medications of getting an NAION, but it doesn't reach statistical significance, what, what does that mean? 
Right. Well, um, as you mentioned, the the non significant elevated but non significant association for all subjects. Um, in this particular instance was uh, hiding is not the right term, but I'll use it, the fact that there is some component of the, the, the study subjects wherein there is a, a very high uh, risk. And what this is in, in the field of epidemiology or statistics is something called interaction. What it means is that for the for the condition or for the, the exposure of interest, in this case Viagra or Cialis use, to actually demonstrate an association, it's really acting in conjunction with another characteristic, in this case heart disease. So even though Viagra Cialis use by itself may not result in um, NAON, in the presence of another factor, in this case hypertension or history of MI, those two causes jointly are really what push it over to potentially being associated with the disease of interest. So when you, when you break it down into a sort of a, a causal model, um, the use of the medication itself isn't a risk, but when in conjunction with another characteristic, this is really when the, um, the association becomes apparent. I'm going to try to continue to tease this out. Was hypertension or a history of MI an independent risk factor, meaning um, was it a, a risk factor even in the absence of use of ED medications? We, we found that uh, the, the, um, the cases, those with, uh, with NAON, um, were more likely to have uh, a history of a heart attack, and, but they were no more likely to have a history of hypertension. So it, it looks like, although we didn't look at this explicitly, it looks like a history of an MI may be an independent risk factor, um, independent of not only the, the use of the medications, but uh, a variety of other characteristics. But the, the risk was exceedingly lower compared to uh, those who had a history of a heart attack but also used these medications. Joey, do you know what the odds ratio was for NAION for patients who had a previous history of MI but were not on ED medications? I do know what it was. It was 2.2. Okay, so just to clarify this point, for patients who had a previous history of an MI, the odds ratio was 2.2. But if the same patients had been using ED medications, the odds ratio was much, much higher. Is that right? Oh, it was 10.7. 10.7, so it was huge. So yes. similarly with hypertension, the odds ratio was elevated. Yeah, it was uh, 6.9 to be exact. So if you exclude the patients who had a history of MI or the patients with hypertension, did the use of ED medications raise the risk of having an NAION? No, it did not. Well, that's pretty clear. Do, do you think that the overall uh, odds ratio of 1.8 for for all patients is a result of an association that's, that's weak overall, or is it a function of the small sample size? Uh, generally, well, um, you know, if we go back to the, to the results, and as I said, the odds ratio of 1.8, that, that magnitude of association in epidemiology we would classify as being small. The confidence interval uh, is wide, and it's wide as a function of the relatively small sample size, yet it, inc it includes you know, values up to uh, 6.37. That was the upper bound of the confidence interval for that. So if there is an association and we missed it, it's, it's perfectly reasonable to think that it's actually 
um, at least you know small to moderate in size. And perhaps with a larger study, we, we would have found a more precise and statistically significant estimate. Would that estimate have been small? Would it have been moderate? Would it have been large? That's sort of hard to say. The evidence that we have suggests that it's probably no more than modest in strength. Since the study was done in a retrospective fashion and since the data obtained from the patients was obtained by telephone, how accurate do you think the patient's recollection of their use of medication was? Um, I think I think the recollection was probably pretty good. If you look at the actual overall frequency of the the report of these medications being used, it's pretty much in line with you know general population estimates uh, of the frequency of use of, of these drugs. So, you know that's one piece of evidence that we have to suggest that people people probably aren't underreporting. And I guess as an epidemiologist, I'm not that concerned about um, people misreporting to me. What I'm concerned more about is bias in their reporting. That is, the cases reporting more or less accurately than the controls in some sort of systematic way. And I I really don't have any reason to believe that. And and the reason I say that is the the initial media attention last summer to this topic uh, could easily have, have prompted men who have this condition, i.e. the cases, to have over-reported uh, the use of these medications because they were prompted to. They, they developed this acute blindness and they see a media report about its link to the use of Viagra. They use Viagra and they're, they're more prompted to perhaps tell you the truth or um, to recall a history of use. If that were the case, we probably would have seen a much stronger overall association. But again, we saw a fairly weak overall association. The other piece of evidence is that when the time we did this particular study um, and actually communicated with these men, those media reports hadn't really hit the streets yet. So there was actually no reason for them um, to really suspect a link um, between these uh, the, the virus, Cialis use, and uh, Naon. Um, unless they were, you know, privy to the medical literature and, and the case reports that had been, been out, um, but certainly not from, you know, media reports. Granted that previous studies weren't designed like yours, weren't epidemiological studies, how do your findings compare with those of these previous anecdotal studies? Well, you know, again, those um, studies being case series and reports, they're sort of missing the other critical element, and that's the control group. Um, and so so in that respect, we really can't compare our results to, to really anything. However, what we can look at is this notion that um, there, there may be some sort of dependence uh, involving uh, some cardiovascular um, health. And if you actually look at the case reports, the majority of the men um, actually do report a history of heart attack or hypertension or high cholesterol, basically cardiovascular conditions. So to the extent that there appears to be this sort of uh, dependent role of of, uh, heart disease in the association is not unreasonable. Um, And so to that extent, those case reports have been useful. Jerry, what does the FDA say? Well, they um, actually, as a, or I don't, I won't say as a result, but um, following the uh, case reports from last summer, they actually issued a um, 
they issued a statement and uh, basically mentioning that you know sudden vision loss, uh, this nailing condition, uh, could be attributed to um, Viagra Cialis or Levitra, which came on the market after we did this study. Um, the statement made that made it clear that there's no link, no established link between these medications. And it advised patients uh, to stop taking these med uh, these medicines. Call a doctor or healthcare provider right away if you know you experience sudden vision loss. And they also suggested that um, patients taking or considering taking these products should inform their healthcare professionals if they have you know had this severe vision loss, because these patients are at increased risk of developing neon again. So they they provided a statement, and I believe actually um, asked the company or told the company to include in the package insert um, that sudden blindness um, is a, a potential, albeit rare, side effect. Um, although I'm not certain um, of that. Um, so that was really the FDA's stand on on the the position prior to our study coming out, and I don't know that anything has changed after our study coming out. Didn't the FDA also say? that if a patient had a history of an AION in one eye, that they should be warned about use of these medications because of the potential risk of an AION uh, in the contralateral eye? Yeah, I believe that was part of their, I believe that was part of their statement. Um, but uh, I, I don't have the sort of the, the original warning in front of me, but I do believe that was part of the statement. Now, your study didn't um, gather any sort of temporal data data with regard to how soon the vision loss had occurred after the patient had taken the ED medications. That's right. We, we were only able to document the fact that there were, we had users and non-users. Um, given the retrospective nature of the study, while we certainly could have asked for timing um, of use relative to the condition, um, it, it, it really would have been very fuzzy data at best. Um, given the small sample size and given the fact that we really, you know, we're really venturing into an unknown area, um, we decided to keep it as straightforward and, and simple as, as possible. Um, and I think now there's probably, uh, based on the results of this study, and again, the case reports or case series, probably enough reason now to actually do something more systematic wherein you actually do account for the fact that um, the timing is a critical issue. Have there been anecdotal studies that would suggest that there is a, a temporal link between the use of ED medications and the onset of the NAION? Yeah, the case, the case, the case reports in the case series um, are better able to document the temporal relationship um, just because of their nature. And, and again, these studies have documented a very you know um, a short duration of time, but, but between the use of the medications and uh, the blindness. But again, you know, the, the, the case reports are, are good because they certainly provide some evidence and certainly useful for generating the hypothesis. But, you know, whether that temporal link is, is real it can't really be documented without a reference group. And, 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 and uh, you know, as you mentioned, that's what we're lacking right now um, uh, in this area. Jerry, to what extent can you say with confidence that there is a link between ED medications and NAION, as opposed to a link between the underlying vascular problem that prompted the patient to use the ED medication in the first place, between that vascular problem and NAION, independent of, of, the, of the use of, of ED medications. Do you follow what I'm saying? I do follow what you're saying, and I unfortunately don't 
have the evidence in this particular study to you know, answer that. Uh, what we would need to do is uh, basically have a group of individuals who had um, the erectile dysfunction but weren't taking any medications for it uh, to look and see if, in fact, there's an associ- a similar association in that group. And the point that you're making is that what we may be seeing is not a relationship with these medications, but what we're seeing is a relationship with the condition for which that people take these medications. Um, and then and epidemiology is referred to as confounding by indication. Um, and, and it's certainly possible. Um, we unfortunately don't have um, the data, didn't have the data here to um, address that issue. Right, but certainly if there were some evidence of a temporal relationship between the use of ED medications and the onset of NAION, that that would, um, would be evidence of a connection between the two, independent of the underlying vascular disease. That's right. That's right. And, you know, it's like anything else. It's a uh... It's uh, evolving, and it's a story that uh, unfolds uh, in a you know fairly uh, fairly slow manner. It, it would be uh, difficult for us to um, you know really justify a study that that has that level of complexity without first uh, really documenting that there may actually be something there. And you know I think we've done that, and that it wouldn't be unreasonable now to pursue uh, something more detailed. Jerry, what is your recommendation for ophthalmologists? Well, I'll be honest with you. For for ophthalmologists, uh, I'm not sure that there's a lot that can be said because primarily those are the individuals that are going to see the aftermath of any potential association. Um, The ophthalmologist would essentially be seeing the case after it already happened. Now, certainly, uh, the ophthalmologist could would be concerned about the disease either recurring um, or uh, appearing in the other eye. And to that extent, uh, I, I think it wouldn't be unreasonable to ask the person about the history of or use of these medications and ask about the use of the medications in proximity to when the disease became manifest. And, um, you know, unfortunately, this study was not able to look at people who had developed neon in one eye and then subsequently went on to get it to develop in another eye. So I really can't offer the ophthalmologist information in that regard. Really, I think this is probably more important for the general public, for the consumer, and probably for the physician who's prescribing medications for erectile dysfunction because that's really, if there's an association, where the, um, the pattern of risk uh, begins. You know, this is a, it's a, a first study, and um, it's, it's hard to really determine if it's, if it's real, if the results are real, or subject to, you know, a variety of study design problems. I think the results are compelling enough to pursue the issue further. Um, but, you know, I think it's important to interpret them for, for what they are. You know, it's data from an observational study, a small observational study that had, you know, a sig- significant number of limitations. Um, and I think when they're interpreted in that regard, I think we have enough evidence to pursue the topic further. But um, if there is any sort of uh, action taken on the part of physicians or uh, patients themselves, that they should be aware of the fact that, you know, this isn't a hard and fast uh, relationship that we're demonstrating here. I think what we're demonstrating is the possibility of a relationship in that, um, you know, my colleagues need to, or myself and my colleagues need to, uh, you know, delve into it further. Jerry, thank you very much. Okay, thanks for your time.
Gerald McGuinn is Associate Professor of Epidemiology in the Department of Ophthalmology at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. His paper, Non-Arteritic Anterior Ischemic Optic Neuropathy and the Treatment of Erectile Dysfunction, appears in the February 2006 issue of the British Journal of Ophthalmology. Ask questions of Dr. McGuinn or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Call our listener response lines in the United States dial, area code 646-808-0231. In the United Kingdom dial, 020-7558-8275. Or Skype, JYoungMD. Those numbers can be found on our website as seenfromhere.com. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.